Well, was not a beautiful piece. Thank you, Wendy, for sending that in. And it's just wonderful to hear so, such ministry that we're receiving week after week. I trust that you were blessed by it, and Wendy, that you would receive a blessing for sending it in. May the Lord bless you. Will you turn with me to the scriptures, please, as we look at the Word of God? Our subject is going to be a series. It could be two, three, four, we don't know, weeks. And I'm just going to take it as we find it. The title is called All Things, Everything, Anything. All Things, Everything, Anything. Our first reading, we're just going to read a few verses in different places of the the, the Word of God, but we will be breaking it up as the weeks go on. Our first uh, scripture is Matthew chapter 19, please. Matthew chapter 19, if you'll turn to the scripture. Matthew 19, and let your eye run down to verse 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Notice, with God all things are possible. Let's go to the Old Testament now, to the book of Job. The book of Job, please. And we're going to go to Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. You might say, where is that book? It's not a book a lot of people read. It's just the one before the Psalms. Job chapter 42, please. We're just going to lift out a verse here again. And it's in verse 2. Job is speaking. I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Notice what Job says, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. So I know that thou canst do everything. All things, now everything. And then we'll go to the book of Genesis, please. Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We're going to just again lift out one verse. Genesis chapter 18 And verse 14. The Lord is asking this question now. And he asks. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So. Here we have all things. Everything. And anything. Let's buy in a word of prayer. Father will you take your own inspired and divine word and do with it what you please as it is your word father will you take my clay lips and use them for your glory and father will you take every one of us and use us for the honor of the lord jesus christ glorify your name in us And through us, we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. All things, everything, and anything. Matthew 19, 26. With God, all things are possible. Job 42 and verse 2. I know thou canst do everything 
And Genesis 18 and verse 14, the Lord asks, Is anything too hard for the Lord? For example, Matthew 19 and verse 26, there's a proclamation. With God, all things are possible. A proclamation. In Job 42 and verse 2, there's an exclamation. Job cries to the Lord, I know thou canst do everything. An exclamation. And in Genesis 18 and verse 14, the Lord is asking a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? So we have a proclamation, an exclamation, and a question. Also, in Matthew 19 and verse 26, this proclamation, with God all things are possible, is to do with salvation. With salvation. Job chapter 42 and verse 2, I know thou canst do everything, is to do with revelation. With revelation. And Genesis 18 and verse 14 has to do with Preservation. Preservation. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is the question. And so that's to do with the preservation of Abraham's seed. So Matthew 19, if you'll turn to the chapter, please. And we're told, if you will turn to verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This young man who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ calls him good master. Notice the Lord Jesus says then in verse 17, and he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. So the young man has a question to ask the Lord. What good thing must I do? What good thing must I do? Here he's looking for works to be done for salvation. Here he's looking to see what he is missing. And he wants to do whatever else. And it's, it's a good thing that he's wanted to try and help to be a good person. But he's way off the mark because his self-righteousness, his self-righteousness, in other words, thinking that he can be righteous or he can be justified from his sin without trusting only in what Christ would do and in whom Christ is. He is thinking if he can just do that, then that's self-righteousness. If he can do that for salvation, do works, do rituals or alms, That is his own self-righteousness. Jesus takes that out of him and from him and he shows him what he thinks. Notice here, why callest thou me good? He calls him good master. There's none good but one, says the Lord. And the Lord Jesus says there's none good. You know, we have people today and they say, oh, well, I'm not a bad person, I'm good. I'm a good man, I'm a good woman. And the Bible says there's none good. (laughs) There's none And this young man thought he was good. We may be good, as it were, in a human level, but not good, as it were, 
as according to the standards of the holiness of God. Notice here, he sees something in Christ. He sees something different about the Lord Jesus Christ because he sees him as good. And the Lord says, there's none good but God. So either the young man is thinking, there's something about him, is he God? Or the young man is saying unto him, you're good, you're good, you're good. Either one, this young man walks away at the end of this conversation. So we're going to look at it this morning. Notice what the Lord Jesus said unto him. He asked, the young man asked that I may have eternal life in verse 16. The Lord Jesus says in verse 17, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. The Lord Jesus brings the commandments to this young man. And then in, the word, in verse 17, the word keep is the word tereo. Tereo. Tereo means to guard or to watch. But it means to guard or to watch, to keep from loss or from injury. To guard or to watch, to keep from loss or from injury. The Lord Jesus was saying, you keep the commandments to perfection. You keep the commandments in its fullness. You keep the commandments without loss or injury. In other words, that's the testimony of the holiness of God, is that you can keep the commandments 24-7, 365 days of the year, conscious and unconscious, sleeping or waking moments, then you have attained that holiness and righteousness. Now, uh, I have to let us know that none of us could do that but Christ and Christ alone. In thought, in action, in word, in deed, yes, we cannot keep it to its fullness. And the law points our sin out, that we are sinners. And the law is our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. And so the Lord Jesus says, keep the commandments. If you want to have eternal life, keep the commandments. If you can do it by yourself, keep the commandments. And we know that this was an impossibility. And this young man was about to be taught a lesson. He was about to be taught a lesson that he could not do this. Notice, keep the commandments. Notice what the Lord Jesus says in John chapter 14 Verses 23 and 24. John chapter 14, verse 23. He said, if any man love me, he will keep my words. If any man love me, he will keep my words. Tereo is the word. If any man love me, he will watch over my words to keep them. If any man love me, this is what he's saying. He will not allow my word in his life and her life to become at a loss or injurious. In other words, that you and I will live a testimony for Christ. We will live a life for Christ. And because you're saved, because you're blood washed, because you believe that grace abounds over our sin, which the Bible tells us, Paul says, Should we, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, God forbid. You and I, if we love him, we will keep his words. We will keep what Christ says to us. Notice, if any man love me, he will keep my words. 
and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our abode with him. Verse 24, he that loveth me keepeth not my sayings. Pardon me, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Notice what the Lord Jesus is saying. If you don't love him, you'll find it out in the life. You'll find it out through the speech. You'll find it out through their actions in life. You'll find it out in their testimony or their lacking of testimony. If a man or a woman loves the Lord Jesus Christ, they will live for the Lord Jesus Christ. If a man or a woman loves the Lord Jesus Christ, they will keep his word. They will keep the commandments. In other words, the commandments in the new covenant, according to Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33, and in Hebrews 8 and in Hebrews 10, the the commandments, or pardon me, the new covenant is written in our hearts. The house of Israel and the house of Judah says, I'll make a new covenant with them. And he says, that's the covenant of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he will he or she will keep the commandments. But in other words, they will walk in testimony. They will walk in faith. And the Spirit of the Lord, He is in us. The Holy Spirit is within us, keeping us right with the conscience of the rights and the wrongs of the commandments of God. And we will walk in love. We will serve Him because we love Him. And we only love Him because He first loved us. Notice here, What it says here, the Lord Jesus says, He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. So he's saying, if you love me, you'll keep my word. If you love me, you'll keep the commandments. He's saying, if you love me, you'll do as I say. You'll have a testimony. You'll keep my word. Now, we're going to look a little further at this. If you don't love him, you won't keep his word. In other words, your life will will say different than what your words say. In other words, your, your, your profession of faith will speak different than your procession of walk. Your profession of faith will be different than your procession of walk. But if you love him, your possession of faith in Christ and love for Christ will also show the same and play out the same in your procession of walk in your life. Do you love him? Brother, do you love him? Sister, then keep his commandments, keep his word, and walk with him. In Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul and Silas are in prison. You can read the chapter at your leisure. And in Acts 16, we're told in verse 23, there was, if you remember, there was an earthquake came what they're singing and praising of the Lord. They were being released by God from the prison. And we're told the jailer was told when he left them in the prison to keep them safely. And there's a, a if you go to an, a Saxon or a Norman castle here, in, uh, whether it's in uh, these islands or uh, in Europe, you'll find these great stone walls of the outer wall of a castle. You might even find another wall inside of that. And then you'll find the keep. And maybe you haven't thought of this, but you know that's the design of the tabernacle in the wilderness. 
And that is actually the design of the temple of the outer court. The inner walls then would have been through the first field and then into the keep, which was the tall tower where the king was in the inside of that. And notice here, through that would have been through those doors into the keep. That's why they call it the keep. It was the safest place in the whole of the castle when it was under attack. It was the most secretly guarded place of a castle. And so you can see the keep. And so here, it's saying here, and Paul and Silas are in prison, and the jailer was told to keep them safely. It's believed they went into the inner, inner prison where they were kept to be kept safely. But you know, God was able to find them. And God knew where they were. And God was able to come. And God rescued them. God took them out from their prison house. Isn't it good to know that God knows all about us when we're in our prison house? That God knew where we were when we were in the world. That God knew where we were when we were in the keep of the devil. When we were in the keep of the addictions. When we were in the keep of sin. And it had bound us. And it had put fetters upon us. And not only had it put fetters upon us, but it had a yoke of bondage on our necks. And isn't it good that the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and bled and died for us, uh, that sending forth the Spirit of God right into that keep, as it were, right into that inner sanctuary, right into that inner place of the devil, as it were, that that, that the Holy Spirit went right in and brought us out into freedom. And here, the word keep here, was the inner prison house. God knows where you are, brother. God knows where you are, sister. God knows the condition you're in. And God knows the struggles you're going through. And you might feel you're right in the inner, inner keep, the deeper, most part of the prison. But God is faithful and God will bring release from you. For he is able to set the captive free. Notice here the word the jailer was told to keep them safely to keep them safely in other words they they were to be put into the inner prison and it's the same word and to be no loss or injury in other words they would not escape that they could not escape now listen to what james says in james 2 and verse 10 whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point he is guilty of it all. Notice, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of it all. So if you are have the Ten Commandments, as we call them, the moral law of God, and whosoever tries to keep them all, we're thinking of this young man where Jesus says keep the commandments to, and thinking of, the sinner out there today, the, 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 the people who are, who are not saved yet and they think that they're good enough, then let them see these things. Let them understand that they can't keep these commandments. James says, whosoever shall keep the whole law, the whole law, and we're only speaking about the Ten Commandments here, whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of them all. I heard a story, an illustration said one time of two climbers, and they were using chains at the top of the rope to bed into the top of a cliff. And as they climbed up, and this, this one climber found that one of his links was weak. And before he got to the top, the weak link broke. And yes, naturally what happened was he fell down the cliff face and he went to his death. The other climber 
watching his, his friend fall, then looks and sees there's three weak links at the top of his chain. And what happened? Yes, they broke and he fell to his death. The moral of that story is, is whether it was one link, three links, or ten links. One link broken was enough to bring them down to death, or three links, it's the same no matter what. Same death, same doom. And so whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point or one link breaks, they're guilty of it all. This rich young man comes in Matthew chapter 19. And he says in verse 18, after the Lord Jesus has said, but if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Verse 18, but he said unto him, which, which. Can you see the heart of the man, the young man? Which commandments, which ones do you want me to keep? Well, it's so simple. All of them. Every single one of them. Because if we don't, or if he didn't, he couldn't enter into eternal life. Notice this. The young man says, which, and Jesus replies. He gives him six. Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. When the Lord Jesus says, keep the commandments. Notice what he says, which the Lord rams off, as it were, gives him six commandments. And then, in verse 20, the young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet. So the young man says, I've kept these six commandments from my youth up. What else am I lacking? Now here's something we have to take note of. The commandments, as it were, were written on two tables of stone. One to four were between God and man. If you want, they were vertical, between God and man. And then from five to ten, they were horizontal between man and man. So the ones from five to ten really are encapsulated in what the Lord Jesus had told this man. He hadn't even mentioned the commandments from one to four, which were between man and God. Even the normal, natural ones, he says, keep it man to man before God. And he says, I've kept all of these. Now this young man has just broken one because he has sinned in his line because he could never have kept it to its fullness. Notice here, the first four commandments are this. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven image unto thee. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's between God and man. And the ones Jesus said to him were between man and man. Here's what, I'm sh- what I want to show you. Jesus then brings it right into the heart. Not the, outward ex- not the outward expressions. Not the outward manifestation. Because that's the six between man and man. How they, man and man and society should treat each other. If our nations were to have the Ten Commandments up at schools and universities, and people would see how we were meant to treat each other according to God. 
And notice here he brings it from man to man, from uh, horizontal to vertical. Notice here, if you'll turn to Mark's account of this, Mark chapter 10. just want to bring it for another little account. Sometimes they add a little bit more, or they write a little bit more than, than each other. It says here in Mark chapter 10, if you let your eye run down to verse 21. It says, And Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, Go thy way, and sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. Notice the Lord Jesus is now starting to go to the heart of the matter of the young man. Notice what it says, beholding him. Beholding him in verse 21. The word beholding here means to fix the eyes for a moment on a subject. To fix the eyes for a moment on a subject. It actually gives the idea to put your glare, full gaze upon someone or something. The Lord Jesus Christ, after saying these six commandments, and this young man saying, all these have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Then he fixes, he looks at him with burning eyes, as it were. He fixes his glance and his gaze right upon him. He glares at him. He glares at him. He's looking right into the heart. And it's the heart of the matter that he's looking because he says, take what you have and sell it. Take what you have and give it away. Notice what he says in verse 21 at the end of it. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Notice, come, take up the cross and follow me. Come, take up the cross and follow me. The, the, the penetrating, gazing glare of the Lord Jesus Christ was in love. Looking at the sin of the young man's heart. Looking at the lack of the young man but, but, but with, with his self-righteousness that he's better than everyone else. And the thought that comes to me is this. The Lord fixes his eyes upon you and upon me. And he puts you and I in his glare. And he loves you. And he sees the potential in you, in him. He sees the potential in you, in him. He sees what he can do in you. He sees he can do what he can do for you. But he sees what he can do with you. And brothers and sisters, the penetrating gaze, as John says in Revelation 1, his eyes were as a flame of fire. That penetrating gaze into that young man is still the very penetrating gaze of the Lord upon those whom he loves. And he wants to have more of a relationship with you. He wants you to make him first. You and I, when we see people, we see in them sometimes a great potential. We even see potential, and this is just on a human level, you and I see potential even in those who are awkward, who are ignorant to us. We see a potential in those who are, who are in bitterness or always angry. We see it when there's a sign or a glimpse of love in them, when there's a pleasantness from them. We see a slight 
softening and we see the potential. Once someone shows a little bit of softening, there's potential here. Once someone shows a little bit of of coming around and showing a bit of love and care in themselves, there's potential. We do not embrace that. And we see that potential and that desire. We see a change in them in Christ because we can't do it. And listen, there's a potential in you if you let yourself be molded by the great potter of the clay. Here we find this young man, and this young man has much goods, and he walks away from him sad. It says, and beholding him, he loved him. Notice here, The word loved. I want you to get me right here. I want you to listen and let me finish here before you jump to any conclusions. But I want to say this. God's love does not save you. The Father displayed his love by the giving of his Son on Calvary's tree. But God commendeth his love toward us And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In that sense, God's love does not save us because you and I are saved by grace through faith. God displayed his love for you and for me, the undeserving. And that displayed love accepted the Lord Jesus Christ through the imputed Faith that was given unto us by his spirit. And so you and I lay down all our our self-righteousness and all our thoughtful abilities and all our we're good enough people to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. And why I say God's love does not save is because of this. Because God showed and displayed and manifest his love He exhibited his love through his son on the cross of Calvary and the giving of his life and the shedding of his blood. And that love displayed to a whole globe full of people, a whole planetary world full of people and millions or billions through time have rejected the Savior. Have rejected the Savior. It's the grace of God that comes to us. It's the imputed faith for God's grace. You're listening now. God's grace is God's love in action. God's grace is God's love in action. So we thank him and we praise him that he loved us and that he was gracious to us. And the master told his disciples it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle If you want to turn back with me, please. Matthew chapter 19. Lord Jesus said, it says in verse 23. And when Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? The Lord Jesus said, A rich rich man can 
hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. It was easier to go through the eye, a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And the thing is, it's debated, is it the eye of a needle, which was a, a slit that was easily closed in the walls, that people, or maybe a man or men could walk in and out, and it was easily closed in time of attack where the, the gates were well closed. And a camel laden down could have no chance to walk through there. Some think it was that, and others think it was an actual literal needle. Nevertheless, whatever it was, it was impossible. It was impossible. And let me tell you here what is the great impossibility. The great impossibility of all men. The great impossibility. Notice here, the Lord Jesus said it was impossible for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 25. Then his disciples heard, and they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? His disciples were exceedingly amazed and said, Who then can be saved? If someone like this young man who has kept all of these, but Jesus went to the heart. Tell all you have, if you love me. Now he doesn't tell everyone to get rid of all their possessions, but to this young man he was testing the heart. Sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come take up your cross and follow me. In other words, leave the luxury and come to the cross. He's saying, what is first in your heart? What is first in your life? What is first for you? What is the God of your life? What is that that leads your heart, that sits enthroned in your heart? And even as the hymn writer would say, the greatest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, Help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. Jesus goes to the heart of the matter in men and women. And he says, come and follow me. It's not your life anymore. It's not your will anymore. It's not your desire anymore. It's not your glory anymore. It's not your riches anymore. It's not what you will anymore. It's not what you want anymore. It's not your luxuries anymore. It's not what you want to deem that which is good anymore. He says, it's not your self-righteousness. But if you want it, he says, come follow me. He walks away sad and says, who then can be saved is the question by his disciples. In Mark's account in Mark 10 and verse 26, we're told they were astonished out of measure. That's the words Mark uses. The word astonished here is the word akplesso, and it means to strike out of self-possession. It's as though they could almost step out of their own skin and look at themselves. They were so shocked. They were so in awe. They were so amazed at this. You see, when they said, who then can be saved? If this rich young man cannot be saved, then what about us poor fishermen? What chance have I? What chance have I in your own merit? None. None. You see, it was believed that riches was a sign of the blessing of God. That's what the Jews believed. If you were rich, then you were God's. They believed it in those days that if you were rich then, God loved you more than others and you had the true and real blessing of God. So they see this rich young man and they're saying, well, he must be truly blessed of God. And oh, how we in our human experience can also think the same sort of things. Remember talking to a, a, a man one day who thought in a great cathedral, that's where God lived. Surely God 
lives there if I went to pray. No, friend, God does not dwell in temples that are made with hands, but God dwells in the temple of the Holy Ghost, and that is those who have been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And notice here what he what, what says, Who then can be saved for this rich young ruler or this rich young man can't be saved? What about us? Reminds me of the, the church of the Laodicean, uh, Laodiceans in, in Revelation chapter 3. And in verse 7, uh, the Lord Jesus is the speaker to the, the church of the Laodiceans. And listen to what he says to the church of the day. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But knowest thou not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? I counsel thee to buy of me gold Tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. And then he goes on. Thy eyes salve of him. The Lord Jesus is saying it's from me, it's not of you. It's from me, not of you. And that was Revelation chapter 1, pardon me, 3 verse 17. Not 7, I correct myself. And notice here, who then can be saved? If this rich man can't, does this not warn us about the prop? prosperity gospel of all to do with money and little to do with scripture it's not that rich men and women can't be saved nor is it that rich men and women are wrong to have their money but it's the love of their riches the love of money is the root of all evil Jesus we're told in chapter Matthew 19 and verse 26 But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are impossible. If we can't be saved, if he can't be saved, he says it's not about his riches or his self-righteousness. It's about the grace found in Christ. Brothers and sisters, he beheld them as the same word he beheld the young man. He fixed his eyes on them, his gaze on them, and he made the proclamation With men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. One Greek scholar puts it like this. With man, impossible. With man, that's the way he writes it, impossible. He writes, with man, impossible, but not in the presence of God. For all things are possible in the presence of God. Coming to a close, and listen to this. Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 16 and 27, Solomon says, Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Glory and honor are in his presence. The word presence is ponim. It means that part which turns, as in your face. When we look left, we look right, or we look straight ahead. That part which turns. There's glory and honor when his face turns toward us, in other words. Psalm 68 and verse 8 says, The earth shook and the heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. Speaking of Mount Sinai, when this law came down, the mountain shook 
at the presence at the, of the Lord. In other words, that part which turned, it's as though, even though God is a great eternal spirit, even though God who is invisible, yet God's presence came, that manifest, tangible, felt presence of God came, his face turned. His face turned. The presence of God. Have you ever experienced the presence of God? Have you ever experienced the presence of God, the felt, manifest, tangible presence of God. We can experience it in conviction in the heart, in a meeting when the gospel is preached, but what about prayer and reading the word? What about even when you're just even driving your car or wherever you are? This policewoman was to drive a minibus, and I was to drive a minibus 20, 22 years ago maybe for the church and there's this joint activity to bring old, uh, old age pensioners out and they needed more than one bus and the police asked would we supply the bus and, I, and the church said yes and then they asked me if I would be the driver and I said yes and I drove and we drove to different places. Um, we, drove, uh, to, uh, we, drove, we drove to Belfast City Hall and they had a tour there and then we drove to a, a church that supplied lunch for them. And that was in, a, a, in, a, in their cafe up the Shankle Road in Belfast. And, and we had lunch there. And we drove them to the Ulster Museum in Belfast. And as they went in, we were to wait with the vans for they're out in the street. And we couldn't leave them. And I got into the van beside the policewoman. I was sitting at the passenger side. And she was sitting over at the other side of the van. Started to talk started to ask me about the things of God and I told her of Christ and his cross work and I told her of the grace of God and the love of God and I told her of the salvation that he brings, the redemption that's in him and sitting over at this side and her at the other side, started to talk about the presence of God, God's presence and she looked at me as if I was mad. You really believe you can feel and experience the presence of God? I says, oh yes, many times. And she started to ask about the presence of God. And as I was talking about this manifest uh, experience of his felt nearness and presence, suddenly she started to, at the window, turned to me with tears running down her eyes, streaming from her. Cheeks started to shake and her jaw was quivering. She started to shake from head to toe. And she says in her words later on, she felt like she was being crushed. I felt it myself. It was so heavy. It was like the Lord Jesus just walked into the van and sat between us. And she looked at me and says, what is this? I said, it's the presence of the Lord. And she cried for mercy on a letter and appointed her to Christ. And the two of our heads were down at the dashboard of the car. And as we both lifted up at the amen, our heads together, the old people were coming out to get back into the, into the minibuses. Isn't it wonderful that the presence of the Lord is so rich? All things are possible. All things are possible. Listen, Romans 8 and 28. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. Friend, listen, brother, sister, listen. You may be going through a terrible time and we wonder how God works good out of such a horrible time and a terrible time. But God works out his purpose. And God is working out his purpose in you now. 
Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Hebrews 1 and 12 says to that, to Jesus, the Son of God, that he uh, uh, hath appointed, the Father hath appointed to him, or appointed him heir of all things. He is the heir of all things. Hebrews 1 and verse 3 then tells us he is upholding all things by the word of his power. Revelation chapter 21 and 5 says, Behold, I make all things new. He is the God of the all things. The God of the impossible. And I finish with this. Matthew 9 and verse 23. A man brings his son with a dumb spirit, as the Bible calls it, to the disciples and they couldn't cast it out. The Lord Jesus comes and he brings him to Jesus. And after Jesus is finished with the young man, in Mark 9 and verse 23, it says, Jesus said unto, unto, unto the disciples, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. If thou canst believe, then all things are possible to him that believeth. The man who brought the son in verse 22, the father says, But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible. And here Jesus puts his all things against the word of anything. Brothers and sisters, no matter what it is, friend, no matter what it is, with God all things are possible. Trust God will bless his word to all of us, all of your hearts, in Jesus' name. Don't forget tonight, Tonight we're going to be in Turkington's off the Martin Road in Portadown at 6 o'clock for our drive-in church. The car park is massive. It is big. It'll hold hundreds of cars, so there's plenty of room. So come along and join us. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to be singing from the platform. And we're going to, we're going to look forward to even some sort of fellowship together, even though it's through the car. We'll see one another through there. Make the effort and come along and join us for Jesus' sake. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, take your word and inscribe it in our hearts and glorify your name for Jesus' sake, I ask it. Amen. Amen. God bless everyone.